This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I'm here with Scott Eklund and uh, Tuesday afternoon and... uh, Again, it feels like water through a fire hose yeah. <laughs> today. It's been a lot of work trying to get to these coaches. And then after that, we just got done with the press conference with new athletic director, Troy Dannon. And uh, I'm here with Scott. And Scott, what were your first impressions of, of Troy? Oh, he's, I mean, he's a hard person not to like just on initial, in, in you know, initially meeting him. You know, he talked a lot about, the first thing he said was, I believe in four different areas of having success, economic, social, um, academic, and then competitive. And he said, we're not just going to win at one. We're not going to win at two. We're going to win at all four. And he goes, he, he, he just said, um, in order to have the economic success that you want to have, you have to have success competitively. But in order to have competitive success, you also have to have the economics. You have to have the ac- academic because players aren't eligible, can't play, you know, things like that. So a lot of different parts that an athletic director has to come into. The other thing for me was the last two athletic directors came from in-house. If you consider Scott Woodward uh, right. was in-house, even though I know he came over with uh, Mark Emmert, right. you know, a couple years earlier. But uh, And then Jen was hired in-house. She had been at Washington for, what, 25 years or whatever it was. Yeah. And so this guy is coming in from out. He's, a, he's quote, unquote, an outsider, but he sure made it sound like Washington fits him. And what he's, you know, and, and Anna Marie Casse basically said his values are our values. And that's, <clears throat> that was the biggest thing for her when she was going to hire somebody. Yeah, oh, by yeah. the way, I also liked her comment when she came in real quick and said, I did a good job. <laughs> yeah. 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 She came in. So what happened was, is that uh, there was the video where he did his remarks. Uh, President Casse did formal press remarks, conference. The yeah. formal press conference. And I asked her a question in that. And then we moved to a side, a little auditorium, and that's where we had more of the kind of the in-person gaggle with the media where we each asked him a question and whatnot. Um, You can tell, though, he's running on pure adrenaline. I mean, he laid out his itinerary in the last week, and he went from, like, New Orleans to Charlotte to Indianapolis to Seattle back to New Orleans, up to Iowa, and then maybe back to New Orleans. Back to New Orleans and and then to Seattle. And then to Seattle again. I mean, this was just his his itinerary was incredible, and you could tell he's just rolling off this whole thing. One of the things that really struck me is interesting was that uh, on Monday he did an interview with with Softy and Dick Fan on mm-hmm. KJR, yep. mm-hmm. and he specifically referenced UW. Uh-huh. He didn't do that today. No, Everything was UW, UW this, yeah. UW that. So he's like again, you talk about going through uh, water through a fire hose. He's really mm-hmm. learning. Uh, a lot about Washington and its culture and fit very quickly. But one of the things that struck out to me is that I asked him specifically about his relationship with Jen Cohen, the outgoing AD, and, and how much that played a factor. And he said, bottom line is you can tell why they're really good friends and have a good working relationship because they are very similar in nature and very similar in how they approach 
being an athletic director. They have to have that holistic balance with the what he called the fiduciary balance. So like he says, he calls football the thousand pound animal that needs to be fed. And so he understands all of that. And yet at the same time, he understands if you don't take care of the holistic piece first, it's it's game over. You have to be you have to take care of that first. And so I see a lot of fit in what Jen Cohen was able to bring to Washington, and I see the same kind of fit in what Troy Dana is going to bring to Washington. And, well, and one thing that he said in the in the formal press conference was that usually when they're hiring an athletic direct a new athletic director, especially after one just left, it's the program was left in shambles right. basically. And he said that is just not even remotely the case. Yeah. He says I I'm set up for success because of what Jen, Jen Cohen was able to do. Um, in hiring people, in in hiring coaches, and putting putting things where they need to be, and you know Washington didn't they achieve their highest GPA for, from an athletic department standpoint? Like probably within the last year, I would imagine. So. Yeah, and I mean they're at like a nine ninety eight or something like that on the whatever that scale is. Oh, the APR, they yeah, yeah, the APR. So you know, I, I just you know, and you, it's funny you say that he and Jen Cohen are a lot alike. I, re- I would really like to see Troy Dannon on the sidelines at a game because yeah I don't think that's going to happen. Jen, Jen Cohen could could barely contain herself sometimes. Yeah. She was she was a fan. I think I think he's very much he's got the fan gene in him. Mm-hmm. But I think unlike Jen, he's going to probably be able to keep it in check uh-huh. a little bit better. Um, I'm sure he will have moments where it's like, turn the recorders off, guys. I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, do I see him on the sideline going nuts if there's a bad call or something? Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see that level of fandom yeah. in, in Troy Dannon like I saw with Jen. Um, but the other thing that I thought was really, really interesting was just how quickly the decision was made on him and his family yeah. part. Um, because they're from originally from Iowa, moved to New Orleans, which obviously a huge culture shock. But he said flat out, he goes, the first 24, 48 hours here, you know, he's even got his son saying, do, we, do I have to go back to New Orleans? Do I have to go to finish? Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's interesting how much of a fit that worked on that level because there's so many different tentacles on this thing that have to align to make it work mm-hmm. just right, especially in this short a time frame because it's amazing where he said, I think – was it last Wednesday or last Thursday he was in Seattle yeah. to interview? Yeah. And he's literally, this is his initial press conference Tuesday mm-hmm. after they officially he announced would, it on Saturday. He was hired two days after his interview. Yes. Yeah. And so that, that not only tells you what a great fit he thought he could be for Washington, but clearly what President Kausay and the people that were in charge of making this decision on Washington's behalf felt about him. Because she was very clear in the press conference that – they were getting a lot of interest and they did a lot of recruiting there as well. And one of the things is people didn't necessarily want to come to Seattle or they didn't want to uproot their families. And so for him to say what a family decision this was and how excited they were to be able to come to Seattle and come to Washington, I thought that was big too. Yeah. And his, his wife and kids were all decked out in purple. Yep. The wife, the wife had a, I don't know, pantsuit, whatever you want to call it, but it was purple head to toe, except for the shoes, which are gold. So um, she definitely looked the part. Her, his two kids look like great kids, and one of them's only an, a year older than my little boy here. So um, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just it's uh, it looks like a very good fit. We'll have to obviously the proof will be in the pudding. Obviously, moving forward. The other thing I found interesting, and somebody was he mentioned in in the real press conference, but then was asked about it in the gaggle. 
was he mentioned if you think the last three years caused a bunch of upheaval, the next three years are going to put that to shame. Right. And he was asked what that's going to be. Yeah. Um, or the biggest, the biggest what, question. What's going the biggest forward. question? And he he didn't hesitate. Yeah. It was antitrust. Antitrust and labor. And and that's essentially saying that he can see a situation where labor unions. I mean, he didn't come out and say that, but it's it's a situation where labor unions are probably going to be involved. And, and sooner I, or later. And I didn't get to ask him this specifically, but I have a feeling this would have probably been directed more at President Kausay. But just in the recruitment process, especially knowing Jen's role in the, in the college football playoff committee and some of these other overarching things at the highest levels, clearly Troy, Dan, and spent a lot of time in some of these leadership positions yep. at the NCAA. Clearly he was considered a leader in a lot of different areas. <clears throat> I'm kind of, I was wondering how much that played a role in terms of the, of the, the hierarchy of things that were in her decision-making. How important was that going to yeah. be? Because clearly they've been thinking about the evolution of what the student-athlete's going to be doing the next two or three years, how NIL fits into it. He talked about flat out, he said NIL is going to be just as important to him as fundraising. Mm-hmm. When, he talks about, when he talks about going to the donors, yeah. going to the big money people, he's going to say, look, NIL is just as important, if not more, than, than our infrastructure. Because if you think about it, Washington's infrastructure right now is really good. The basketball facility is getting built. That's probably the last really huge piece of all this. Now, there's, there's obviously maintenance on all these things that have to happen. But bottom line is there's so many other things that, that can be done with NIL that can really make them a lot more competitive in the marketplace compared to fundraising for – another facility because I can't really think of another one they really desperately need right now. Well, I mean, under Jen Cohen and Scott Woodward's leadership, they basically got the soccer field done. They got the, the baseball stadium done. They got uh, the upgrade to Husky Stadium obviously done, the rebuild basically, and, and that's the big, big thing. And, you know, that interest payment skyrockets, you know, here. Not interest payment, but the payments that they right. do every year. I mean, it's 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 – it's a lot to take in and I can only, you, you know, you, you said earlier taking, you know, information in through a fire hose, you know, I mean, it's the, the things that he is going to any athletic director that's new to any program, whether it's Washington or whether it's Washington state or whether it's Indiana or whatever, you have so many, your, your fingers in so many pies and eventually I don't see how things don't get overlooked, and and but it sounds like from everything that I've heard about him, from the people uh, down at Tulane who were sad to see him go, but from everything that I've heard, he is just on top on top of everything. He he's not a micromanager. That was something that he was very right. very keen to say was I am not a micromanager. I am smart enough to know that I don't know as much as the people that I have under me know about their specific things. Yeah, and the interesting thing I was going to say, Scott, real quick is that one of his mentors was Bob Bowlesby, who was a longtime Stanford guy, went to the Big 12. He said when Bob Bowlesby was the um, athletic director in Northern Iowa, he was a student intern. And he said that Bob Bowlesby treated him as a student intern just like he would have treated the guy right directly underneath him. Mm -hmm. He said that kind of transparency and that kind of treatment of everyone in your department is how he leads because that's how he was taught. And so I fully expect that, that he is going to be the, that exact same guy going forward. But you talk about multiple tracks because you've got the Pac-12 track. Now you've got the Big Ten track mm-hmm. moving forward. Now he's got to make sure that he leaves Tulane in the best shape possible for the next person. 
on top of trying to keep everything on top what's going on here while he's still down there because he talked about he's how he's still gotta, got probably a couple months of yeah he's got to go back down there he's got to sell his house fit, that school's got to be done for the kids um and then on top of it he's still got to keep everything going remotely while he's finishing all that stuff down in Tulane. So I, I don't envy Troy Danner right now because he's, it's like us with football and basketball at the same time. It's just, again, water through a fire hose. You're trying to get as much done as you could possibly do. But the guy's obviously got a ton of energy, a ton of adrenaline. He's absolutely psyched for this job, as you can tell. Super personable. Um, you can tell he's easily approachable. He, he talked about Willie Fritz, the two-lane mm-hmm. football coach. He said Willie Fritz and Kalen DeBoer are the exact same guy. And we have to keep reminding people that Willie Fritz happened to beat USC last year mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, uh, in the bowl in wherever it was. Mm-hmm. Sugar Bowl, I guess it was? Well, or, yeah. on, on, on Amari Kasse, uh was like, oh, we were rooting against Tulane. And I was like, who was rooting against Tulane? Yeah. I, I don't know anybody who was rooting against Tulane. Yeah, no. I think Everybody she, was. I think she was thinking maybe Pac-12. As fans. a Pac-12, yeah, yeah. yeah. no, no that, sorry, no. sorry, President. No. That, that was when you got wrong. But I also, but I, as we were <laughs> as we were leaving, I introduced myself to Troy, and and I told him, by the way, I don't know if anybody told you this, but the week the week that Jed Cohen was officially, you know, hired as the I think because you know yeah. she, there was an interim thing, and yep. all, but once she was officially hired that week, Washington's uh, the women golf team won the national championship. So I said, I don't know if that bodes well for this week or not, but there's yeah. something coming up and, at the end of this well, week. He also he also said he goes, yeah, but if they don't win the title, yeah. then it's like it's my fault, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, he also well <laughs> he also flat out said he goes, if if Washington doesn't win the game against Oregon on Saturday, they were going to blame us. They were going to blame me anyway. Yeah. So he knows it's kind of a no no uh, no lose or no win situation for him. But we'll start. We'll wrap this thing up, and and I'll put the gaggle that we had here in the auditorium at the back end of this so you get an opportunity to hear some of the other questions from the media too but we wanted to get our initial thoughts out this is literally we're doing this five minutes after uh getting a chance to wrap things up with troy dan and uh but again i think washington fans have every reason to be super excited i think the transition between jen cohen and the next athletic director i don't think there could have been a more seamless one with a guy like troy dan and taking over and so future looks i think future looks really bright and it's and it's bright right now and i think not only is that a testament to Jen Cohen and how she left it, but I think that's also a testament to, to Troy Dannon and, and what his thoughts are moving forward. And, and, and it's not just that. It's the fact that um, she helped get him here. And so Jen Cohen, as much as people might be frustrated that she went to USC in the middle of this big season and everything like that, Jen Cohen still cares about this program. and Because she wouldn't have set them up with a guy like Troy Dannon if she didn't care. Yeah. And she did. And... And I think that that's why um, he is here now. Yeah. It's and it, because of her her putting in not only a good word to uh, President Casse, but also to him. And I won't say them by name, but I did speak to one prominent booster that was here. And there were a number of them, a number of big timers. And flat out, they said, look, hey, if, if this guy gets the seal of approval from Chris Peterson and Kaylin DeBoer, I'm in. Yeah. That's all I need to know. Yeah. So hopefully Washington fans out there if all you care about right now is football and you know that's the thousand pound animal that that feeds the beast so to speak you should be happy because this guy understands football is king and it will stay king as long as he's the athletic director here yep so we'll wrap it up there and a lot of other stuff going on just real quickly we talked to a lot of the coaches out there today jamarcus shepherd we'll put his stuff out later today he was he was must see tv today he had so many great things to say 
Um, so we did that, talked to Coach Schmidt, Coach Huff, Coach Brown. Uh, Coach Marks. Coach Marks. So we talked to a lot of coaches today. Uh, Tomorrow Kim, is the players. Kim is down at Media Day right now. He spoke today exclusively with Tina Langley. And so hopefully we'll have that up a little bit later today. Tomorrow he's going to be sp- speaking with Coach Hopkins and as well as Keon Brooks and Severe Wheeler. And so we'll finish that stuff up. It's so much going on today. Oh, and by the way, there happens to be a football game going on at the end of the week. We'll be covering yeah. uh, as well, top mm-hmm. to bottom, wall to wall. So stay tuned for all of that. I hope you guys got all that because I don't know how we're going to keep track of it all. But we'll, we promise you that we'll have ev- we'll have everything done by the end of the week. So. For Scott Eklund, this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs! Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I really started to pick up on it, it was Jack Sigma. And I was like, this is like the personification of like great player was Sigma, right? And I don't know him as a person. You guys may know him, but I thought, man, he's pretty cool. And then then uh, Sean Kemp followed and I became a, you know, I was a huge Sean Kemp fan. And I wasn't a big NBA fan. I was a Sonics fan because of the people, the, the players that as I was growing up. And so uh, uh, and obviously there was... Uh, there were some coaches, right, that had Iowa connections and Midwest connections, and so that's that's what hooked me. And uh, you know, we played when I was in, in 15. Uh, we played. It's still Key Arena to me. I know it's got a new title, right? But uh, we played in the regional up here in 15. We were the five seed, and probably should have uh, uh, one, two, and three had gotten beat. And uh, we played Louisville. They were the four, and they beat us. You know, we kind of got patinoed right in that game. Uh, but but. Uh, uh, I remember being in that arena and like all these Sonics memories came back. This is where the Sonics, play. you know. So uh, yeah, this it's it's more schoolboy stuff, but uh, that was you know my first affinity. And you know, I'll give you another, and you don't care about this one, but it was sick. when I was like ten years old, I wrote a uh, Marty Brenneman and Joe Nuxall were the the Reds announcers, right? And I wrote the little kid letter to you know, whoa, you're so cool. I love the Reds. I listen to them in WLW at night, AM radio, and I get this care package full of stuff. And so I became a Reds fan, and they sent me Bengal stuff. And I was like, ooh, the heck are the Bengals? So I became a Bengal. So your affinity for all these things became like the stuff that impacted you as a kid. Now, the tie to all this is, you know, the, the impact, you know, how you build a fan base, getting the kids engaged, right, and getting young kids. Like, what's going on right now? You could hook kids for life. Uh, by being a part of this, and they're going to they're remember Michael Penix, right? And they're going to remember things that happened at this stage of their life forever. So that's a lesson I learned that, that people's affinity uh, is either created by their parents or created by their, their own little experiences.
Long answer to a short question. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Curious what your what your conversations with Kaylin DeBoer have been like, whether during the hiring process, how, how involved he was in that, or, or, or since you were hired. You know, I, I I talked to him more about what he wants and what he needs. You know, the our job is is to put him in a position to succeed. He talked about how to retention of coaches. You know, our our guy could have left last year at, at Tulane. Everybody leaves Tulane after that year, and he stayed. And part of it is coaches, as, as much as we talk about the money in the contract, keeping them in a position to win. Good coaches, if they can win and it's a place they like and they enjoy working with people, it, it's, it's retention strategy. And so I, I, I need to learn from him, you know, what it is he needed what to, to be in a position to win, not just today, but going forward. A lot of my questions for him was, what are those things? And, and how can I affect his success? to take over what, what I said today. Um, you know, and, and he needed to know me. You know, football coaches don't want athletic directors who are trying to call plays. Uh, you know, they, they don't want athletic directors who uh, are, are fans first. Uh, I, I think they, they want athletic directors who are going to help them put people in a position to succeed. And, you know, people who are putting themselves in a position to succeed fail. And they take everybody down with them. So a lot of our discussions was just that, you know, back to the whole, uh, you know, do I fit here? I, I, I want to make sure I fit here because I knew we fit at Tulane. And, and you know, I wanted to make sure I fit here with the football coach. You know, we, we have some Midwest connections with one another. I, I joked, I mean, Iowa is the metropolitan version of South Dakota. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and Coach Grubb, obviously, being from Iowa, you know, there, there was these ties. Uh, uh, we talked a little bit about when Kalen was at Southern Illinois, and I was the AD at Northern Iowa. He was assistant Southern Illinois. We had a heck of a series with Southern. It was you know, the two best teams in the league. We kind of talked about the good old days, if you will, like from 10 to 14, I think, like about the time he was there. I'm curious about your philosophy towards non-conference scheduling for football. Where you've got some holes in the schedule right now going into a very competitive conference. Do you feel like you guys need and will – chase the premier non-conference matchups what's your philosophy towards that in general oh in the 12 team playoff my non-conference philosophy will be how do we get into that playoff that's you know i we need to we need to sell tickets and we need to get people in the stands i want to get in the playoff what do i got to do and you know people's scheduling philosophies have changed because of that uh with the big 10 schedule that you've seen and i've seen i don't know how many marquee games you need to have uh, in your non-conference, uh, we're playing nine, not eight. So you know there there are some changes. Now that's mine. I need to talk to the coach as well. We that's one thing we have not talked about is his scheduling philosophy. But you schedule with a means to an end in mind, and the means to the end is the college football playoff. And so how do we today? You schedule one way. You have to have meet the non-conference to find your way. At the end of the year, right? There's going to be bunch of schools that have one loss in the conference and how do you pick between them it's going to be whoever had that big non-conference win when we get to 12 it's going to look a lot different now there's still going to be that right at the end you know you're going to start comparing non-conference games but uh, uh, I think we schedule with that future in mind what's the genesis of your ability to build relationships because it seems like that goes back a ways just like how do you when did you start to cultivate those kind of relationships when you know to do that oh gosh I don't know 
I'm just around a lot of people. You know, my mentors in this, Bob Bowlesby, uh, was the idiot at Northern Iowa, and I was a student working in his department. And obviously, he went on to Iowa, Stanford, the Big 12. But, you know, he treated me like I was a peer when I was a student that worked in the department. Very transparent with me. And you'll find, and I'll probably, are, you know, I tend to be very transparent with what I think because I learned from him. And, you know, I, I learned, you know, my other mentors, my other, they, they treat people right. And, and so that's what I've tried to do. I also know what I don't know. And, and I, I, I cannot blow in here and, and start dictating things. You, you've got to build relationships because when times are tough, those relationships are what keeps you out of the fire. And if you don't build them right, then those relationships will be what pushes you into the fire. Well, this is, this is our star. I'm not going to be making decisions for you. But I have to get back. And so if there's any questions for me, this is the chance. And if there's not, I'm perfectly fine with it. <laughs> All right, our star. I did good. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, guys, we got about five more minutes. I was just going to ask, when you take a quick look at your men's basketball program, you've got one of the most personal basketball coaches in the country, yet you've got a program that's been in the NCAA tournament maybe once in a dozen years. Um, how do you make that work? Well, you know, part of it is, uh, I'll go back, and I've said this over and over, my job is to put Hop in a position to succeed. I can tell you right now, I don't know what it is that needs to be done to put him in a position to succeed. So here's my schedule. So I'm here through the end of the week. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, I'm at Big Ten meetings. I'm going home to New Orleans, and I say home because I still have a house there I have to sell. I'm going to try to clean out my office, do personal goodbyes, and I'm back up here the Friday there is on a state game. Uh, Friday before Arizona State. I talked to Hop earlier and I said, that weekend, I want to sit down. I want to start to understand what does he need? What type of help does he need from me to succeed? And, and you know, that's part of the evaluation of the program. And, and I said this yesterday on the radio show. That evaluation, though, also happens in football. Even, even if you're succeeding at the highest level, what needs to happen to either sustain it or stay ahead of the people chasing you? And so, you know, I'll have those discussions with everybody, including Hop. Basketball is such a uh, such a this is a basketball city. I mean, there's great basketball here. There's a great history of basketball. Uh, so you know, I think we will share the same motivations, and that's to get it back going again. Uh, and it'll start when I get back up here, and we have a chance to sit down, and I can understand the program a little bit, and, and where he thinks the problems have been, and where he thinks the solutions are, and I can get the lay of land for. Them. You made reference out there to the next three years and the amount of change that's on the horizon. What do you see as the biggest thing on the horizon that's going to affect what you do on a day-to-day basis? Antitrust and labor. Easy. Um, those two, the, the antitrust cases, there there's multiple cases working their way through the court systems and, and uh, labor. And the, the, the idea of, of joint employers, right? You know, we may not be subject to National Labor Relations Act as a public institution, but the Pac-12, the Big Ten is private. If the NCAA is as as quasi-public, you know, all of a sudden if, if we become joint employers, that's a whole different argument from a labor standpoint. So I think those two issues, uh, which we have zero control over, but we have to be prepared for those outcomes and how do we how do we accept whatever happens and then run with it? And I'll give you an example. At, at Tulane now, as a private, I, we were focused a lot more on the on the on the labor issue and trying to set a 
if if there is a labor uh, uh, decision or there is a uh, a grievance filed at, at our public school, what's our response? You know, how do we how do we not let college athletics go away at Tulane University if there's so? I, I think those are the biggest things that I will track on. Uh, you would be surprised there are so many people who are are unwilling to worry about the future. That's there's a lot of complaining about NIL. I'm I'm I think NIL is great, um, but there are a lot of people who didn't want to embrace it, and now they're behind, and now they're trying to catch up desperately. You will find uh, I am I'm going to push NIL as much as I push any other fundraising opportunities here at, at UW. Because putting coaches in a position to succeed, I will promise you NIL. If if you talk to Kalen, if you talk to Hop, if you, those two in particular, they will tell you that that may be the most important piece in putting them in a position position to succeed. Troy, you, mentioned your schedule, you mentioned your schedule, uh, the transition going back to Big Ten meetings and Tulane and everything that's happening. One, how much have you slept the last couple of days? And also, like this this period, I mean, does this get your adrenaline pumping? What, how do you approach? A transition phase like this. Uh, so the sleep answer is not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, and starting with, I'm going to walk you through. So last last Sunday, I was in New Orleans. I went to Charlotte to speak. Uh, I went from Charlotte to Indian. And that was last Monday. I went from Indian uh, Charlotte to Indianapolis on Monday to uh, for football meetings Monday and Tuesday. I flew from Indianapolis to Seattle for an interview. I took the red eye back from Seattle after the interview Wednesday night. Uh, Thursday, I actually had to be in Iowa uh, for some long scheduled stuff. So I was in Iowa for two days. I flew back to New Orleans, grabbed the family, uh, made plans to come up here, and I was here two days later. I haven't slept, and, and there is an adrenaline rush that eventually I will collapse. Uh, and I, it's probably going to be next Wednesday and Thursday when I'm back in New Orleans for a couple of days. Uh, but you know what? I got. I want to make sure everything is, is good at Tulane on the way out. Um, what was the other part of your question? That was pretty much it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, I, hey, if you can't be fired up for this, I mean, here's the best two things about this job, and not just Wash, Washington, but any job like this in the country. There are 650 kids that are going to walk through the door every day. They're anxious to participate. They want to succeed. They want to get better. There is no place else, no other job in the world, no other place on this campus where 650 kids every day come in wanting to get better. And so that, that keeps you motivated. And the other thing, and it already happened yesterday, I don't care what the calendar says at the start of the day, it doesn't, your day's not gonna go that way. You gotta be prepared for anything. And I mean, that, that that's, keeps you going, that's what's enthusiastic. Because at the end of the day, you're putting other, putting people in position to, to succeed, to, to, to get better, and people that want to succeed and get better. It's a pretty awesome thing to get to do. So I'm not, the sleep will come at some point in time. Uh, pretty soon I'm going to realize I'm two time zones different. Uh, but uh, for now, uh, uh, there's not a better time in my life, frankly, than what I've, what I've gone through the last few days, uh, both in getting the, the, the last part of the interviews, getting the job, and now being up here these few days. I think it's going to get better Saturday. Uh, uh, but I, I can't wait to be inside that stadium. I will tell you one last story, and I know he wants me out of here. <laughs> so my, uh, we told our kids Saturday afternoon, and you know you would you would expect you know trauma, right? Uh, 
don't want to move. I don't want to move. And my, they settled down, and my uh, my nine year old uh, son said, "Dad, I know all the players." And he travels with me some on the road, and and we have one things I do. I have every team to my house at some point during the year, and so the, he's got relationships with the kids. And, and he said, uh, "I know all the players." I said, "You're gonna you're gonna get to know the players in Washington too." He said, "But Dad, football's a really big deal here at Tulane." I said, well, football's a really big deal in Washington, too. And he said, but so many people come to our games. And I said, you're not going to believe what you see next weekend. <laughs> uh, uh, from, from game Because one of the guys on game day had told me when I was in Charlotte that they were coming here. So I kind of knew that. I was talking to him a little bit about game day. He said, you're not going to believe it. And so here we are. We've been here two days. He said, Dad, do I have to go back to New Orleans next week? So, I mean, they're hooked. Uh, and so that's, that's the other part of the you know, my wife's got a challenge. You know, it's it's going to be hard, uh, but that's part of what comes with it. But it's it's worth it when you know at the end of the day we're all going to be up here. And we're going to be in this great place to live, and we have a place in the athletic department that's that's functionally one of the best in the country.